Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello again, friends. Welcome to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. This is your host, John Russin. I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. And if this is your first time joining us, you've caught us in the middle of our series that we call The Power of Story. These are deeper dives, chats with believers into aspects of their upbringing, their lives, what led them to Jesus, and most importantly, what led them to understand Jesus as their very life. Our guests in our virtual studio today are the Fields Brothers, Roger and Jeff Fields. You can check them out on their website at thefieldsbrothers.com. They're from Lexington, Kentucky, or thereabouts, I'm told. And uh, if you were with us in our last episode, we were talking with Jeff about his time as a pastor. He spent 10 years as a pastor. And it was during this time that he first began to learn about Jesus Christ as his life. And so we stopped right there last time. Jeff, let's go ahead and pick it up about that revelation for you and the impact it had on your ministry and your family. So in May of 1983, I mentioned in the previous uh, podcast that we did with you, you know, got married, graduated from Bible college, got married, moved to Stanton, Kentucky, took on the role, uh, accepted the position of, of pastor of Stanton Christian Church, little congregation of 120 or 30 people. I was 21. My wife was 19. I really wanted to be the man of God that God was going to use to, you know, glorify his name and, and had, I think, you know, basically sincere motives. Yeah, you were building the yeah, team. I mean, Looking back, it was probably some out of my own insecurity, you know, because I wanted to feel like God was happy with me. And, and, and so, you know, it was mixed motives, I'm sure. But and so I wanted to do it the right way, though. I didn't want it to be all dependent on my personality. And I, you know, I began to see the, the benefit of small groups and that, you know, I wanted to see Christians really minister together to one another as a body and, and not just attend a performance every Sunday. So with that in mind, I learned of a conference in Indianapolis that was on home cell ministry. And so my wife and I uh, went up to Indianapolis and she was originally from there. So we were able to stay with, with her dad up there, had a free place to stay. And at this conference, there was only, I don't know, you know I'm sure the, the person who led it was very disappointed in the turnout because there were less than 10 of us that signed up for this conference. So we you know have dinner together one night and the next morning we start, we're meeting in a hotel meeting room just around folding tables. And he's sitting there with a notebook and we have notebooks. But before he starts talking about home cell ministry, he starts talking, he says, there's some other things I want to talk about first. And he talks about the nature of man, spirit, soul, and body. And I think that was kind of new to me. I mean, I had graduated from Bible college at this point. I attended church all my life growing up, but I don't think I'd heard about that before, of spirit, soul, and body. And then he started sharing scriptures about uh, Christ as our life. And he mentioned John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Well, I, I already knew John 14, 6, but I never saw it that way, where Jesus says, I am the life. Not, I give you life, or I am the source of life, but I am the life. And then John 11, he pointed out, where, you know, the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus says, I am the resurrection 
and the life. Again, not just I have the power of resurrection or I will enable you to be resurrected, but I am the resurrection. I am the life. And then Colossians 3, 3 and 4, you know, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God when Christ who is your life. And then 1 John, he who has the son has life. And for the first time in my life, I saw Christ as my life. And it, it was, to, even to this day, it was the single biggest moment or revelation or spiritual moment that I've ever had. I mean, I remember going to lunch that day with the guys in the group. It was, we was, went out to a pizza place. Everything looked different from me. And he shared the Romans 6, 6, that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. And I'd never heard that before. And the idea that I am dead, my old self, that temptation is like, you know, what temptation, you know, a dead man's not tempted by anything. You know, you can run any temptation past, past a dead man and he won't respond because he's dead. And so those two together that I was, my old self was crucified with him. And now he is my life that I don't make him first in my life. He is my life. If he's first, if I'm trying to make him first in my life, then I still have a life but that's totally different than seeing him as my life. And so I came back from that just on fire with to teach Romans six and Christ is our life. But I think, you know, where I think I got off target a little bit was because the initial euphoria faded in a few days. And then I'm trying to think of oh, then the temptation, because there for a couple of days, it was like temptation had zero effect on me. I felt, and I, I just knew Christ was my life. You know, I, I'm, he's my life. And, and that just cleared up so many things. But then after a few days, the newness of that wore off and temptation started to be noticeable again. And so it's been many, many years now. That was 1983 of learning to really what is. But I saw something I could never unsee. And so even though I got confused later, but I think one of the mistakes I made, I think I didn't really understand the love of God and being totally accepted by, by our Heavenly Father and led by our Heavenly Father. So I think I saw that revelation as a means to overcome sin that of, okay, now I have a new technique, a new way to stop sinning. Then now I can become the man of God and now I can do great things for God and God will be pleased with me and he'll be happy with me. And I can feel loved by him. And, you know, the, the truth of who Christ is, is not, you know, it's not a means to, to help us do better in, in that regard. Is that, is that making sense? And so, Yes, it does. Um, He's not a tool. He's not a trick. Yeah. And so uh, then it was much later on. So I'm sure my preaching was quite confusing for a while. And I kind of feel sorry for the people um, to some extent that listened to me, because I'm sure it was a very mixed message. So on the one hand, I would teach that we're crucified with Christ and Christ is our life. And then I would, you know, the next Sunday talk about, you know, how you need to be committed and you need to die to self. And, and I didn't really see the inconsistency in my own mind at that point that I do now. So I went another, another almost nine years, kind of a mixed message, but I, it always stuck with me. And then later on, when I learned, it was more in the 90s or um, even, well, actually a decade after that, after 2000, really began to have more of an appreciation for the love of the Father. And, you know, you can understand all these things, First Corinthians 13, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. And so I you know, I, I think I saw those as a means to get to love rather than love being the foundation for them. Yeah, that's a good observation. The whole thought about a mixed message permeates most of the church today. Frank, 
you had some thoughts earlier about a mixed message. So can you share those with us and uh, lead us off into our next line of conversation? Sure. We talked last time and Roger was sharing how the cross became the pivotal point of understanding that everything became new and new language, new new understanding. And we talked about Old Covenant, New Covenant, and how they're distinct. I had a gentleman come to see me, and I think he is the epitome, probably be the poster child for me of the confusion that's in the church. He's walked with God for 50 years, studies his Bible diligently, loves God, serves people. He's just a really quality guy. Well, we're sitting down and I asked him, I said, is your heart desperately wicked and deceitful beyond all things? And he said, yes, it is. So I said, okay, well, you know, in Ezekiel 36, it says God is going to establish a new covenant and take away that old heart and give you a brand new heart. So Jesus established the new covenant, right? And he said, yes. I said, so you have a new heart. And he said, yes, I do. I said, well, wait a minute. You just <laughs> said your heart was desperately wicked and deceitful beyond all things. But now you're telling me you have a new heart. Which one of those is true? Now listen to this, this is amazing. He said, they both are. Yep. I said, wait a minute. You have two hearts? And I said, you can't have two hearts. You only have one. And he said, well, I don't understand it all. All I know is this. God said both. So both are true. That's huge. Why don't you guys take that? And oh, run with I'd it. love to take that. <laughs> I mean, that epitomizes the problem is that, the way, again, we're living on both sides of the cross. One statement's made before the cross. Another statement's made after the cross. And we send people around in circles. Christians go around in circles. One day, you know, I've got a wicked heart and I'm desperately wicked. The next day, well, I've got a new heart. And then you're back to a wicked heart. And the thing that's the most amazing about all this, and we do this with a whole lot of topics, not just the, uh, the human heart, but we get used to that. I mean, we're comfortable with the inconsistencies. You can literally go to most any church and I can say to them, God inhabits the praises of his people. And then the next birth, I can say, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you, which are two different things. And people are very comfortable with the contradiction. Well, which is it? Does he just come around when we praise? Does he inhabit it? Or does he live inside of us? And, you know, it's the old thing. You know, forgiveness is the classic example. Before the cross, you forgave so that God would forgive you. After the cross, you have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Therefore, that enables you to forgive other people. And we can teach both things completely opposite, completely contradictory. And if you don't understand the ones before the cross, ones after the cross, and we're comfortable with the contradiction. It's an amazing thing, but place where we're at in the church. Hmm. There's two, two thoughts come to my mind, or how I've heard other people say it, uh, Frank, that is, and Andrew Farley uses the term reading somebody else's mail. Hmm. And so... You know, I, I took a class in Bible college and hermeneutics, and the, the really the only thing I remember from that entire class was when you interpret the Bible, you need to pay attention to who is speaking and to whom are they speaking. And we totally forget that a lot of times, but the idea of that, as Andrew says, you're reading somebody else's mail. So, you know, that 
you know, a lot of those verses, yeah, God said both of those, but he wasn't speaking to us at that time. Or the other way I've heard it described, which I think is another good way of illustrating, it's like um, getting the wrong medicine. You know, so if, if I've got a medicine cabinet in my house and you're not feeling well, and I said, well, just go to the medicine cabinet. Well, why should I get it? that matter? Just get anything, anything out of the medicine cabinet. Well, no, certain things are for certain conditions. Or if you go to the pharmacy, you don't want your prescription to get mixed up with somebody else's. So there are certain things prescribed for certain conditions. And so a lot of those verses in the Old Testament and, and even in the teachings of Jesus, you know, spoken to those who are under the law for a different condition to a different audience. And it's somebody else's mail. But it is amazing and sad how we do mix all that up. And I really like your emphasis, Frank, on the book of Galatians. That's kind of where we, you know, what we ended up using as kind of the foundation of our book. We didn't start out that way. We just started writing a bunch of chapters and we realized, got into it, you know, what we're really talking is the message of Galatians. And, and we just use this side of the cross and the other side of the cross. We don't even use the terms old covenant, new covenant, because we wanted to keep it just as basic common sense language as possible. Well, you are from Kentucky. Well, maybe. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, um, we're proud of that too, Frank, in case you're wondering. We like Kentucky. <laughs> but, but that really is amazing how we can hold two different things that are really contradictory and, and not see the and totally you know, comfortable with it. Totally okay. I mean, it's I mean, there's some examples. You know, the one you know, Jesus said you deny yourself. Then under the new covenant, you put on the new self. And we can teach both things and nobody ever thinks anything about it. You know, you deny yourself. I'm putting on the new self. Do I deny that? I mean, what, you know, we go around in circles and people are comfortable with that. That's just kind of the way it is in church. Well, I think, you know, Roger addressing that it's because we hear it so often. Yeah. It's, it's repetitive. You know, one of the things that really stuck out to me in the early years when I began to understand this was one of the first books I've read was living with Jesus today. Yeah, I, remember, uh, I read Juan, that. Yeah. You read that book? Yeah, Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos. Yes, dear, dear brother. And he said when he began to have his eyes opened, it they were opened through the music of the church. And he said he went to this conference and the opening hymn was since Jesus came into my heart. And then the closing hymn was come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Right. And he said, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then he, he went to another church and they sang, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And two songs later says, lead me to the river because I'm so dry. Right. And it's, it's this repetition. It's, and so, like you said, it's almost like, you know, in, in the New Testament it talks about our consciences being cauterized. It's almost like our minds are cauterized. Uh, we just hear it so often. Well, thinking is a lost art. That's, that's probably the bottom line. We just don't think and ponder these contradictory statements. Yeah, and, and we're used to the tension. We're used to the pressure. And a lot of it, you know, we kind of like the pressure. You know, we kind of like this tension that it doesn't quite, you know, you got to kind of believe both things, both sides of the coin, and you can't really put them together. And we're comfortable with that. And a lot of people just like the, they like the pressure of, of believing that there's just a lot more stuff they got to do that they're not doing. It's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. I think one of the things, and I think you agree with this, Frank, tell me what you think, is that one of the problems is that believers have not been taught that they can hear from the Holy Spirit themselves as their teacher. Mm. And they're just conditioned to feel like the only way they can know truth is by listening to somebody else's sermon or reading somebody else's book. And that, that certainly happens many times. And I'm thankful for a lot of the messages I've heard through the years and books that I've read that have been a help. 
but there's a little bit of a problem that even when we're hearing the truth, we can end up getting conditioned that that's the only way we can hear truth or understand truth. And we've lost sight of, of being able, you know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, point blank. Mm-hmm. My sheep hear my voice. He didn't say they might hear my voice. They can hear my voice or the mature ones hear my, you know, my sheep hear my voice. And, and I long to see believers look to the Lord Jesus, the Holy spirit as the teacher. And obviously he's not going to, you know, do the double speak. He's not going to speak both ways. And I mean, do you see what I'm saying, Frank? Does that make sense? To I, you? Yeah, Jeff, I absolutely do. There are two passages just went ballistic in my mind as I was listening to you. One is from John. And you remember Jesus is ready to die. It's the final night. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come and teach you. Listen to the language. Everything I spoke. And you say, wait a minute. For three and a half years, he was teaching those boys. <laughs> Jesus says it was just speaking and hearing until that Holy Spirit gets here. Then he's going to teach you what I said. That's huge. Uh, and then the other was 1 Corinthians 2. And, you know, it says there that we've been given the Spirit so that we can know the things freely given to us. Yeah, I love that. And he says, He's able to do that because he's God. He knows the mind of God because he's God. So he can teach us about God. But then there's this one verse, verse 14. And it says, the natural man can never understand the things of God. And when I was a young pup, I always thought that was a reference to the unbeliever. But in the context, he's talking to Christians. And I think what that's saying is, if you try to understand God with just your brain, you're never going to get it. It's the Holy Spirit working through your brain, but he has to reveal things. And we have to hear his voice. Ponder the, the ludicrousness of my mind being able to comprehend the mind of God. I mean, that goes back, I think, to Genesis 3, that in the day you eat, you'll be like God. And, and so there's this God complex. And I, I think part of it is that we're not, we're not students. We're not learners. We're not, te- we're, not, uh, we're not going to him and say, Father, open my eyes, open my heart, help me see. Or we think we have to be, you know, super intellectual to be able to understand the things oh. of God. And we think, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, Pastor so-and-so, he can understand all this. And right. he knows Greek and he knows Hebrew, but I don't know Greek and Hebrew. So how in the world am I going to understand all this? And we end up, and that's where, I mean, sometimes, and, and I'm, I mean, I attend a local congregation, you know, pretty much every Sunday. So I'm, I'm definitely not anti-congregation church, the local church, things like that. But it, it, but it's really easy when a pastor just wants everybody looking at him all the time without knowing ends up usurping the role of the Holy Spirit in the individual believer's life. And so rather than pointing believers to Jesus, pointing believers to the Holy Spirit and saying, you know, listen, what the Holy Spirit will teach you. Mm. You know, they end up causing people, and a lot of times unknowingly, and, you know, with the best of motives, kind of training them to look more to them as the teacher rather than the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, some will say, well, wait a minute, you know, you can get off on all kinds of false doctrine and teaching, but I think that's kind of not trusting the Holy Spirit to shepherd his own Mm -hmm. flock. And um, I mean, there's been all kinds of heresies and false doctrines come out of, you know, organized situations. And so, you know, you're going to have that problem regardless, I think. But, you know, so I, 
the idea that the Holy Spirit, that we have a new heart, like what you mentioned earlier, and that I can trust the Holy Spirit to communicate to my heart and, and mind, the renewing of the mind, his truths. And um, that's never going to be a contradiction, a contradictory message when it's from the Holy Spirit. I think that's right on. That's right. And you know, stuck in the middle are most people, most believers who attend church, they can't understand, as Roger said, the dichotomy. They can't understand the messages from both sides of the cross. And so they don't bother. And so basically they're deceived. The enemy sidelines them. And so they spend the lion's share of their Christian lives basically sitting on the sidelines, not really getting into the game very much because they're just paralyzed by what they don't know. And I think you, one of you said it earlier, the gospel is just so incredibly simple that even a child can understand it. Why we make it so difficult, I don't know. I think the enemy's got his fingers in there working pretty well, but to me, it's an absolute tragedy that most of the believers spend their Christian lives pretty much on the sidelines. Because they never heard anything else. I mean, they, they, I think a lot of them feel like they don't have a choice. You know, they may have tried it for a little while, and then they realized it just wasn't working, and they've never really heard the gospel, I think, a lot of times, and the, the message of grace and Christ in them as their life. That's right. It's so important to understand it. It's so simple. Guys, we have a few minutes left. Uh, you have a ministry. Tell us about it. What's the focus? How did you get started? What have you done so far? Where do you want to take it? Give us a little bit of history and a little bit of vision for the Fields Brothers. Well, let me say about the book. My wife, Lori, wanted me to write a book on, based on some of the stuff I've been telling her and some of the conversation I had with Jeff. And I didn't want to write a book. And I said, you know, it's hard to write a book. And I said, well, I'll write if Jeff will help. You know, so I called Jeff, hey, uh, you need to help me write this book, you know. And so Jeff agreed. And so that's how the book came about. And we worked on that for quite a while. And then out of that came the podcast. And so we just have a good time. You know, we just do it because we enjoy doing it. And it's just whatever God wants to do with it, it's fine with us. And, uh, and we don't take advertising, don't solicit funds for it. We just say we tell people don't send us money because if you do, I'll spend it Cracker Barrel and Jeff will go golfing with it. You know, so we just <laughs> we like it. Yeah, in terms of where we're going, we, we really have no idea. We don't, we just kind of, we get together about every other week and record a couple of podcasts and just, you know, enjoy talking it. And, and it's, it's not all teaching stuff. You know, a lot of it's kind of what we call off topic, you know, just what's going on in our lives or local current events here in Kentucky or things. And we have a lot of fun and kind of brother to brother banter going back and forth. So, um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing it. So I mean, if the day comes, we don't enjoy doing it. We, we may stop or probably will stop. But yeah, but that's, that's really kind of our only agenda. If we enjoy talking about it, we talk about it. And that's mm. it. You know? Well, that fits in with your, uh, your mantra on your website that you like to have fun. Yeah. The, um, you know, the book, as Roger mentioned, you know, he'd asked me about it. So we agreed. And we just started writing individual chapters. We really didn't, we thought maybe a devotional book, these little tiny short chapters, that'd be kind of easier to, to write. But then as we got writing them and sharing with each other while we were writing, and we kind of saw a, a common denominator through it, that's when we realized, okay, we're really talking about the message of, of Galatians. And, you know, one of the interesting things to me about this is that, and we wrote it in, uh, it came out in September of 2017, so almost four years now. Roger found a few grace quotes on Twitter, so there's about three quotes from Andrew Farley in there, but we had no idea who Andrew Farley was. We had never heard of him other than just seeing these quotes online. We had no idea he was a pastor or we'd never heard him speak. 
we'd never seen any of his books. We had no idea who he was. It was just a name with some quotes that we liked. And so we included that in the book. And then it was the next summer, summer of 18, when I discovered him online, I guess through Facebook or some way. And I started listening to him and told Roger about him. And we, and, you know, we realized everything he is saying is what we put in the book. And I'm thinking, okay, if he ever finds our book, he's going to think we plagiarized him, which we didn't because we, <laughs> we had no idea who he was. But what I saw, and, I, and I'm sure you all have seen this too, and Frank, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd agree with this. That's the beauty of when you start seeing things on the two sides of the cross, under law, under grace, old covenant, new covenant. So many things become clear and other people are seeing the same thing. And so it kind of looks like everyone's stealing from each other, but they're not. They're just, it becomes a very united message. And so we, we developed it around that. And the beginning of the book, we have an obituary to religion. Because the subtitle of, of the book, Breaking the Hex, is Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. And Roger came up with that phrase, good phrase. Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion, based on Colossians 2, that talks about the old written code was nailed to the cross. Mm. And so um, he, he put a phrase in the introductory about the people at Galatia uh, forgot to read the obituary or didn't notice the obituary. So I, that got me thinking. I thought, hmm, let's see if we can write an obituary. So I, mm. we've got an obituary to religion at, near the front of the book. And so it's a lot of short chapters, super easy read. Then we started the podcast and, um, you know, it's good. We hear from people that listen to podcasts and it's quite, you know, quite touching and, and nice to, to know that it's impacting lives and, and people are encouraged by it. Wow. It's great to hear guys as we're wrapping up. I mentioned this last question when we began in our last episode, if you had one Supreme revelation that you'd like our listeners to know, what would that be? And uh, Roger will go age first. So what would your supreme revelation be? Well, thank you, Frank, for bringing out that I'm the older of the two, first of all. Uh, thank <laughs> you, John, for, that, for, remember, for remembering to write it down because Frank didn't write it down. I mean, I let it go when John said first podcast, I was some likes. And then he said, I'm from whereabouts. And so it's <laughs> Nicholasville, too, John. I'm going to clear that up. So uh, I think. You know, it's it, for me just a simple understanding that the gospel is not about what we do for God. It is about what God has done for us. And it's just as simple as that. And, and I think when you look at things through that lens, the Bible takes on a fresh uh, meaning. And I think it changes the way you just approach and relate to God. Well said. Jeff, how about you, sir? The verse that has come to my mind over and over more than any other verse over the last year or two, and, I, and I'm still still looking at it and, and pondering it, is the First Corinthians 8.1, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I think for me, in a long time ago, the first part of Galatians 2.20, uh, I saw, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In a life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I think I kind of stopped there. But recent days, I find myself thinking about the next part, who loved me and gave himself for me. And one thing I noticed before, tell, see if this sounds reasonable to you all, that I've noticed that some of the teachers and people that I've looked up to or read, you know, most of them I don't know personally, the older they get, the more they talk about the love of God. Um, 
there. I know, Frank, your friend, Malcolm Smith, I've heard a little bit of him lately, and he, I think he pretty much said that he's emphasizing more and more the love of God. I think about Brendan Manning, and, of course, that was his whole ministry for many years. But then, you know, I've heard some of his last talks and is really emphasizing, do you really believe that I love you, that God would say to us? I think of the Apostle John, you know, live longer than any of the disciples and ends up writing the book of First John almost all about love. And so, and there's others that it seems like the longer someone walks with the Lord, the more the concept of God is love. And Raj and I talked when we first started writing our book that so much of Christian literature kind of fell into one or two categories. It was either legalistic and you got to do this, or it was kind of what we would consider wishy-washy and, you know, Mush. anything goes and that type <laughs> of thing. And that when you see the new covenant, you know, just don't forget about love that, you know, that is where we're headed with this, you know, that love one another as I have loved you. And it's not how much we know. And, and even, and I know you're, you've seen this more than I have, Frank, you know, it's easy to, you know, to be a grace jerk, you know, to where you, you know, you don't love someone else. Um, it's more important to love one another. So that, uh, I guess that would be my, thought on that john that knowledge puffs up uh, and there's a place for knowledge but right. it can puff up but uh, love builds up and so as we talk to others and those who may not understand the new covenant you know our our, our role is not to change their minds our role is not to convince our, our role is to love them first and as doors open to share truth with them in love then um, then that's great but not forget about love and that, that we are not doing this to get more love from God. That that's the foundation that it's, you know, as children, holy and dearly loved, this is how we live. Right. The worst thing we can be is a grace Pharisee. And uh, yeah. I have been guilty of that in the past. John, can I share a story to sure, sort of right connect ahead. their two thoughts? You know, it was interesting, Roger, you kept coming back to simplicity I kept hearing Jeff come back to love. You know, in the Corinthian letters, it says, be careful to not lose the simplicity of Jesus. But there's a story. It was in the early 50s, apparently. They had a big international Bible conference in Europe. And all the big boys were there. I would say in our modern world, it would be having Piper and MacArthur and, you know, Sproul and all those guys. Friedman and, and all those guys. <laughs> 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 brother. Uh, well, it went on for about 10 days. And the story I heard was on the final day, they opened it up to the public and they had some question and answer time. And one of the people in attendance asked Dr. Carl Barth a question. Now, you know, we might not agree with all of Barth's theology and everything, but the man knew God. And this was the question. They said, Dr. Bart, what is the greatest theological thought you've ever had? And my goodness, I think about that question, you know, where would his mind go? The story is he didn't bat an eye, but instantly said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Wow. The greatest theological thought. Wow. So another amazing. example of someone later in life, you know, where that's become more and more real to him, sounds like. Yes. Well, you know, once you put those thoughts to, uh, to words, it really is true in my life. 
I spent most of my early years as a Christian knowing, knowing, just knowing, knowing, knowing. And now uh, the only thing I know is there's a guy who gave himself for me and he lives his life in me. And that's all I know. Nothing we, we tend to make, really matters. Yeah, we tend. I think we, Roger and I talked about this recent podcast. We tend to make the Christian life a competitive sport. You know, yes. I want to be better at it than you, which is so far away from what life in Christ is all about. That I want to love. I want to. I want to love you as I have been loved. I'm not trying to do better than you. I'm. I'm, I'm I want to love you, and right. that's. And and that's when the world will know. You know, that who Jesus is. You know when they see that we love one another. That's right. I don't think anybody ever got saved by me talking about the difference between infra versus supralapsarianism. <laughs> oh, it changed my no, just <laughs> Amen. Well, folks, thanks for joining us again today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. It's been a total joy having Jeff and Roger Fields with us. Check out again their website, thefieldsbrothers.com. They got a great book. I've read it. It's an easy read. It's very grabbing, Breaking the Hex. Their podcast is entitled, very catchy name, The Fields Brothers Show. So please check them out. They're worth your time and your effort. Visit our website as well, ourresolutehope.com. Check us out on all of our social media platforms. And once again, Pastor Frank and John ask you, please, no matter what you're facing, choose hope and choose Jesus. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.